Welcome to the Self-Talk Radio Show. Mind-changing radio. Welcome to Self-Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer, and my guest is the CEO of Standing Out Online, Kate Payne. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Sarah. I'm excited about this. We're reaching out to you today because it's that balance of how do you know that you've gone too far in social media, sharing too much, TMI, TMI, and what can you do, especially if you're trying to balance business and your personal life online? So that's the focus that we have on today's show. And some background for you, Kate, you had to go through the pain of losing your father and also conducting business and raising your kids. So you were that sandwich generation. And Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about your dad and what happened there. I'm getting goosebumps as you just say my dad. He Mm. passed away the end of April. Um, And my dad and I were essentially um, best buddies on some level. And my father has been the the leader of the family, the patriarch in in all the right senses of the word. Love tradition, love family, gave a lot. Was probably the most generous spirits I've ever, ever known. And, of course, you start to realize that as you get older in life. Um, so while I look back and see how hard he worked to provide for our family, I also feel like I got to really, truly know him over the last 15 years. He was 87 when he passed, completely with it, lucid, right up until the end. Um, he had esophageal cancer, and so uh, it was a, a downhill process for him. He chose not to have any treatment because he was 87 and thought, I want my last time to be quality. I don't want to go through chemo and radiation and all that. It's you have to come to grips with, oh, I want to save you, save you, save you. And then I got to let you go. I got to let you go. So how was that transition? And when did that happen for you? Did you even go through that? Um, I did a little bit. It was pretty brief because my father was so at peace with wanting that. I also, our entire family uh, knows my, knew my father as being so full of life. To have watched him go through chemo, maybe being sick, and really, the doctors had said at his age, if he'd gone through the treatment, he was really only going to maybe get about six months because when they found out he had the tumor in his esophagus, he was already terminal. Um, esophageal cancer is one of those that doesn't um, exhibit any symptoms until, uh, and he happened to go in for uh, a health issue that was minor, and then they did an endoscopy and they found the tumor in his esophagus and his stomach. Um, so he just essentially, he slowed down didn't really want to eat, lost his voice for the most part. And then, um, but we were there to see him through the end and go through a pretty incredible journey with him. And I saw your journey on Facebook, and that's why I called you in, because I thought that you handled it with such grace and such honesty. And I wonder, there were times where you expressed, I'm not having a great day. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not happy about things. And there's a part where I was always taught, okay, you just, you don't say something negative online and, you know, it's, you don't want to be a Debbie Downer out there. <laughs> but the way that you handled it, it was um, inclusive. It was human. It was um, seeing a professional grappling with something we're all going to have to grapple with. So I wonder, how do you, are there any outlines? Are there any ways that you can make your posts on social media be meaningful but also maintain your privacy where's that line 
Well, it's a very good question, and it was something I kind of struggled struggled with from the beginning because I'm pretty authentic on my personal page. Now, this is let's be clear, this is on my personal page. I was not posting this on my on my business on your page business at all, page, right? right? Yes. And um, I asked my mom and my sister. I said, if I start to share Dad's journey on a um, on a gracious, dignified level, respectful, not going over the line of the personal part with our family. Are you okay with that? Because I felt that was important. They struggled a little bit, but um, they came around. And I, I think the primary word in my head was filter. So I realized that as I shared this journey, I wanted to have a bit of a message. Now, I didn't realize until after the fact that I had maybe the message or the effect that I did or the impact. Um, and I'm only saying that not in a boastful way, but people wrote me afterwards and talked about, you really made me realize how much um, I should be a sponge when I'm around my, my parents or a loved one and absorb every moment. Um, get your thoughts out, uh, bridge, make, you know, amend fences with, with that person. And all of that happened. So I also knew my father being 87 has really never <laughs> completely understood the internet, certainly not social media. And so when I said, I'd had asked dad, do you mind if I put that on Facebook? He'd, he'd kind of raise an eyebrow and he goes, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and so what, what came out of that, which was really neat, is um, if you're on Facebook, you're not everybody a comments and you forget that you're friends with certain people because they're, they're a voyeur in the, in the good sense. And so when I put up um, posts about what we were going through, the amount of support that came from people, people I hadn't spoken to, family, long, you know, family from all over the world, and especially really dear friends, um, the support, I, I couldn't even believe the amount of support I received. There was a part of me that thought, am I being Debbie Downer and does this look like I'm seeking sympathy? And so that was another filter for me to make sure that I wasn't coming across that way. I hope I did. I'm not sure. Um, others have said I did. So I also didn't post every day. Um, some days were really bad days. And sometimes at the end of the day, I might share that I was exhausted um, and that our family was, you know, hanging right in there. I didn't get personal with my dad's actual uh, struggles. I did talk about his his tribulations, you know, the good thing. I mean, um, yeah, the visiting friends and his graciousness and his uh, spirit and his certainly his sense of humor, and he wanted everyone to have a sense of humor about his um, impending uh, death. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, the person he could probably joke about it the most with was me. Um, so we kind of had some good laughs uh, toward the end, and that's exactly what, what he wanted. And needed. And needed, yeah. yeah. Um, so I filtered, and I just, the other piece that really resonated with me and was huge for me was at the end of the day when I was exhausted or took a break here and there between helping Dad with something, Um Reading, I looked forward to reading those Facebook posts because they lifted me. I wasn't seeing friends and family. I was pretty much under the roof with my sister and my mom. And that was my outlet. And it was my way to connect because I really wasn't ready to connect in person because I was crying a lot and I was just overwhelmed and a little bit in shock. But this was my way to reach out. And the support I received, I never imagined. And it meant the world to me, and it still does. And that's the beauty of social media is sometimes you, you just nailed it on the head. When you're going through something like that, you sometimes can't handle seeing someone face to face. But having an encouraging note or some, you know, hey, keep on going, we're here, 
it means the world to somebody, that's for sure. We're speaking with Kate Payne. She is the CEO of Standing Out Online, teaching us a little more about um, where the boundaries are, how do you filter yourself, especially if you're presenting yourself on your personal page as well as your business page. We're going to shift a little bit and talk more about business. Um, when you do your social media and you have a business page, I know there are some organizations that are now asking, even on your personal page, that there's certain things that you can't post about. Uh, there's some that are even going down the political, saying you can't post about political stuff. And I just wondered what your take was on that. Well, it's interesting. I'm going to back up to answer your question. Um, a few years ago, I held a leadership position in, in, in the state for um, uh, a member association. And I had been sharing my political beliefs back um, at the 2012 election because I'm pretty opinionated about that. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and um, a lot of the people who were within the organization became friends. And so I was actually um, friends with them on my personal page. And I received a message from um, a few people in a very respectful way saying, as a leader in a leadership position, you may want to consider filtering some of your personal comments. And at first I was a little taken aback. And then I realized, you know what? That's right. And it was, a, um, it was a lesson learned, and I'm really glad I learned it. And I think that's probably uh, with how I carry myself on my Facebook page because some of my friends, some of my clients become friends. And I have to always remember that in the back of my mind. It's not just my, my kids and my best friends who are seeing what I post. The, there's a lot more people seeing that. And what's interesting is then there's the other side of the coin. I talked with another guest about... Um, how we've lost the ability to debate. Yes. And instead of saying, well, I agree to disagree with you, or why do you, you know, why are those opinions of that politician or whoever you're talking about important to you? We don't ask those questions. We're just attacking. Right. And we're going in saying, well, you know, you idiot. Of course you should believe in this. Mm -hmm. And so that, that runs across the base of religion, politics, all the things your mother tells you not to talk about <laughs> at the dinner table. Um, so... I think maybe are those things where when you're looking at it, it what what's a tactic that you could tell someone? Because I'm hearing, I'm already hearing it saying, well, wait, my, pol my political views are very important to me. And I do want to share that. And it's my darn Facebook page. Why do I have to, you know, placate to somebody else? And I'd like to hear your answer on that. Well, almost think in the sense of a PR standpoint, that instead of just going on and kind of um, going off on what your current sort of heated opinion might be in your head at the moment, which is very easy to do, is to couch it as this is my opinion or this is how I feel or I would start something off with regardless of your which side of the aisle you are on. Um, this is a great article to read. It provides facts, whether you, you know, want to believe them or not. So when I post things like this election, um, I still feel like I'm being true to my opinion and getting it out there, but I'm doing it in a way that is more accessible, I think. And I think people uh, could, could, could do, try to do the same thing because, you know, look at, look at um, online media places like uh, newspapers and the comments section. Basically there's a lot of um, uh, haters are going to hate mm -hmm. and they're, they're really mean to one another. And I think that that's where our culture has gone. In fact, I read an article yesterday the NPR is going to close down the comments section on the things that they post online for stories because 
people have gotten so divisive and so mean that um, they don't feel that that's a healthy debate. And they've, it was a hard decision for them to make. So from my standpoint, um, I'm careful. Again, I don't post every day. There's so much out there. I'm mm. frankly so tired of it that <laughs> I've hidden people. I certainly don't talk about it on my business page. Right. Absolutely not. So let's talk about standing out online. And you help people with personal branding. I've really taken the PR experience I've had for some 20 years. <laughs> now, yeah. And I turned 50 this year, gulp. Hey, uh, be, be grateful. You're still here. <laughs> 50's the new what, 29, 50's, I wish. <laughs> yeah, 50's the new 29. But yeah, what, tell us about your background because you've done a lot. You worked at CBS? As an intern, yeah. I went to college so. in New York City, but I worked at the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather, which really uh, gave me pretty quick, uh, heavy-duty communication chops. Did you I'll, work with Dan Rather? Um, I met him a few times, but I mostly worked with his producers and a lot of the um, correspondents at the time, Gwen Eiffel was there, for example, um, Richard Schlesinger, I got to meet Andy Rooney because his office was the next one over, you know, from 60 Minutes. Was he as messy as I think he is? Very. (laughs) And funny as heck. (laughs) And um, so I got to work with a lot of the reporters that were on the evening news. Um, Dan Rather was uh, a nice guy, respected journalist, um, in person a little um, uppity. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, I suppose that goes, I guess you've got to well, have an ego to do that kind of a well, job sure. anyway. So. Yeah, sure. He earned, it, his, he earned his chops, I guess. And I learned being there because I thought I wanted to be in corporate broadcast and stay in the big city. I thought, um, no, this is not what I want. I'm fortunate I learned this as an intern, and I'm moving back to Vermont. Nice. And so uh, I, wa- I wanted to go into radio and TV, uh, then decided I wanted to be behind the camera because I love the research side. And then uh, that led to PR opportunities. So I've been in the both for-profit and nonprofit sector. And then um, when I became the executive director of that uh, membership organization, which was um, full of entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs at that, I really discovered that was my passion and my energy to want to be able to help them. So over the last couple of years, I've really refined that PR knowledge and um, my social media savvy and combined the two to help people, whether they're a solo entrepreneur a professional, even a C-level person, or a potential, you know, a job seeker, um, how to define themselves on LinkedIn especially, which is a great platform for your brand, and make sure that they're talking about who they are and not just what they do. Everyone on LinkedIn talks about their skills. They brag, I'm this, I'm that. But it doesn't really give anybody a sense of who you are. And if you want to stand out, (laughs) telling your story to a point and making it relevant to your professional experience has been my my goal and objective for my clients. Trying to land a job? You need more customers? My guest, PR consultant Kate Payne, CEO of Standing Out Online, tells us what words you should use on social media to get what you want. Coming up next on Self Talk Radio Show. Can't sleep? Try this. Sleep Meditation offers soothing meditations to help you sleep like a baby and awaken what's inside. All you have to do is choose the meditation you want to listen to from our library at sleepmeditation.org. Click play and enjoy. If you want to keep the recording, purchase the downloads you want. Plus, Sleep Meditation offers specials on motivational pieces that help you start positive change, stop bad habits, or sleep like a baby. Sleepmeditation.org. 
Now you just taught me something because I do say I did this, I did that. So what are some better adjectives, I guess? Unpack my adjectives. I watched Schoolhouse Rock. So what So did I. <laughs> oh, we are dating ourselves. <laughs> so um yeah, what what are some of the the words that you should use in your profile? Well, use less of I. And I mean, you want to speak in the first person. But not everything is I I I. Don't begin every pa- paragraph with I. I wrote a blog last year about um write a profile that's not all about you. Which is funny because people think your LinkedIn is all about you. Right. And it is. But there's all about you. And then there's all about you. Um, from the standpoint of I'm, I'm fabulous and you should hire me. Um, or people play themselves down and don't promote themselves at all, which actually can hurt them even more. Mm-hmm. So I ask people their story. I interview them like I would a journal, like as, as I did a journalist. And I tease a story out of them because of course most everybody will say oh I don't have a story there's nothing everybody has a story yes so I tease that story out of them and I try to find that quirky piece about them and quirky in the best sense of the word not cheesy Um, for example I did a CEO who was immersed in his business corporate side but he's a hang glider and that's something that somebody can self-identify with when they see it's going to make them um, perk up and go oh this is something different than I'm seeing in everybody else. And I help people do that with their profiles regardless of their industry. Because if somebody's looking at them for as a potential hire, as a potential um, vendor, as in they're going to hire you to be that marketing person for them or help them stand out online. And uh, You can tell she's a marketer already. <laughs> How many times have we dropped? Hopefully, out? I've only said it twice. Back to that filter piece. Standingoutonline.com. Uh, yeah. So now, this is something I wanted to clarify. When do you use Twitter? When do you use Facebook? When do you use LinkedIn? When do you use Pinterest? You know, there's a whole bunch of social media out there. When is it appropriate to use each one? Can you give like a little uh, quickie overview of what each one does and what each one has as a strength? Well, first of all, uh, using any of those social media f- platforms is completely dependent on the person's um, work. If they're a service type person, a consultant, then really Twitter and LinkedIn are probably best for them. If they have a restaurant or a retail shop or they're a real estate agent or something where there's a lot of visual, then Facebook really makes sense and they can really develop a relationship. So to answer your question, Facebook is really a great place It's uh, for building relationships encouraging dialogue, answering questions if people have them. You need to build that. It takes time. And um, ha- being a little more informal. Twitter is what I call sort of the newsflash. Uh, you get really good information, links to blogs, industry news, even regular news, and you follow the people that make a sense for you. Don't just willy-nilly accept everybody just because they tweet you. That used to be the right practice. You'd follow them if they followed you. And it's you. not, yeah. Not anymore. Same yeah. with LinkedIn. Don't accept every invitation. Accept those, not necessarily people you know, because then you're preaching to the choir, um, but expanding your network to industry peers, perhaps colleagues, if it makes sense, and uh, making that a really quality network for you. And Pinterest is also really mostly a women demographic. Um, again, if you were maybe a decorator or an architect or something like that, Pinterest would be a great place for you to, to be. What about Instagram? You know, I don't use Instagram. I know, Instagram I, really started out as sort of a photo filter type yeah. uh, medium, and now it's becoming a huge um, 
outlet for a lot of people, and marketers are really starting to eat it up. But it's really going to appeal to more of the millennial demographic. Mm-hmm. It's not going to build toward the over 35 and up crowd. crowd. So, I mean, but that brings up a good point is know who your audience is. How do you know um, who, your, who your message is for? Well, many people start out thinking, well, I can do everything and I'm going to reach everybody because that's what they want to do. That is, that is really not a good practice. So think about who you're trying to reach. Uh, refine the services that you want to provide to somebody or the product. Don't try to be everything to everybody because it's just it's going to stretch you so thin. It's going to really confuse your message. And so if you can specifically find your, na- your niche, really focus on that and spend your time there. It's the, it's the quality versus quantity piece. And then think about, well, who is the person that needs my service? Because you're providing, a, you're trying to solve somebody's problem. And you need to find out who has that kind of a problem. And then those are the people that become your audience. And you may have more than one target audience. But you shouldn't really have more than maybe three, four at the most. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you think you've got eight, nine, or ten, you might want to reassess that. What's the most common faux pas you see on uh, LinkedIn? Let's just narrow it down. Uh, there's a couple not having a photo. Or if you have a photo, having a really uh, yucky photo. Don't use your Facebook photos. Not cropping yourself out at a wedding in a tuxedo. No blurry <laughs> shots of, uh, of you, period. Not your driver's license photo that looks like a thumbnail image. Um, not partying at uh, whatever party and holding up your beer. Um, a really nice professional-looking photo. And I say professional-looking because not everybody can afford to go and have a, f- a professional photo shot, show to- photo shot in a studio. So if you have a friend who's a really good photographer, um, have them take a picture of you and have it be a decent one and represent you. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes. The other one is um, avoiding the summary section, which is where you get to tell your story and showcase what you do. And um, some people ignore it altogether because what's one of the things we have the hardest time with? Writing about ourselves. Okay, so just so everyone knows, please do not go to my LinkedIn profile because <laughs> I think I've <laughs> probably offended every single you know thing in there. Um, yeah, I also wondered when you're in LinkedIn, there's a place where you can actually blog. You can you can put a, a specific yes. post about what you do. And what is what are some do's and don'ts about utilizing that? Well, the feature, the platform on LinkedIn is called Pulse, and it is fabulous. It was originally only open to influencers, meaning like celebrities, the Richard Bransons of the world and the Ariana Huffingtons and things like that. Then about a year and a half, two years ago, they opened it up to everybody on LinkedIn. Your first reaction may be, oh, place for spam, ultimate spam. It is not that at all. It has become a really go-to resource for people to read about any kind of topics, and Pulse has it categorized by industry, so entrepreneurship or um, uh, consulting or life coaches or, or whatever. There's a ton. And um, I always encourage my clients, if you're already blogging or you like to write, if you have a blog and you're using it on your website, which is where you should put it first, uh, repurpose that blog. You really only have need to change a, a lead, maybe the first sentence or two. Google does not slap you for uh, redundant content like it does in other places. Post it in your LinkedIn file, uh, in, on your LinkedIn profile, and you'll be amazed at the bandwidth that gives you for your network. And I've received um, several clients that way, I've, as have some of my clients who I encourage to use the platform. And if it's not necessarily clients, it shows another side of you. It shows your ability to write, especially if you're seeking for a job. Yeah. You know? And it, ge- and it gives people a flavor of who you are. Exactly. Yeah. And, you're, and a deeper level of your knowledge. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. So how would we go about um, hiring you as, as far as helping with our personal imagery out there? Well, I'm in Vermont, so I'm easy to reach in Vermont for those who are local. And if I do meet with somebody, I like to do face-to-face because it's always always best. But I also work with clients all over the country. In fact, I also just had a client in the U.K., so now I guess I can legitimately say I'm international. Well, you use your international. <laughs> international. You can use Skype. Yes, Skype. So you can... We use Skype, Zoom, all kinds of things. It depends on what the client prefers. Um, go to webinar, things like that. Are you noticing that the younger millennials, don't mean to pick on you millennials, but I'm hearing this in more than one interview, they're having a really hard time with communication face-to-face? I haven't witnessed that. In fact, the ones, I, I, I see that that's true in a general sense. My personal experience has not been that. They actually have really liked to be face-to-face. I always, if, if they want it, I put out to everybody, let's try to do an initial face-to-face because looking in someone's eyes, even through video, is still better than the phone call. But some people just don't feel that need. Um, I've, I'm proud to say that I've built a really great relationship with each and every one of my clients, and learning their story makes that happen. Mm-hmm. What if you have a very bad job experience it, and it looks good, out there on LinkedIn because it might be a, a very prominent role, but you didn't have a really good connection with that employer. Do you suggest that they put it up there or pull it down? That's a great question, which I get asked frequently. Um, if you've been in that position for quite some time, even if it was a year or more, you definitely should put it up there. You don't have to ask for recommendations from any of your colleagues, certainly not from your, um, your, your supervisor or manager. But if it's, there's just a pretty big chunk of time that you've served in a role and you have that blank spot on your LinkedIn or even on your resume, that's kind of a red flag. So you're better to put it in there. And then if it comes up in a conversation, if you make it into an interview or even a, um, um, an initial screening interview and it comes up, just answer honestly. Just say it wasn't the right fit for me. You don't need to go into the details. Just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, I, but I, however, I learned ABC mm-hmm. and, and keep it positive. And they're going to understand that 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 hiring managers get that not every job has been everybody's cup of tea. And you don't want to diss your previous employer. Absolutely not. Okay. Well, again, do not look at my lightning. No. <laughs> <laughs> do you know how like nine out of ten people say that to me? No, actually, I've been really lucky. I've loved most of the jobs I've had, so it's been great. There have been times where it hasn't fit, but it's nothing personal. It's just one of those things. It just Just doesn't fit. The stars didn't align or whatever. But um, also, when you're asking for people to give you a testimonial, those are really important on LinkedIn. How do you ask and how do you make it so that um, it doesn't get lost in the shuffle? How do you make it easy for somebody to give you a testimonial? I uh, advise people to make their recommendation requests uh, very strategic. So, um, and I just want to quickly say a lot of people get confused between endorsements and recommendations. Yeah, tell me the difference between endorsements, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is a gimmick used by LinkedIn. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have some. It's, I call it the equivalent to the like button on Facebook. Um, Good to have some, but it's not the end all be all. And I can tell you that most people, hiring managers and other people who are looking, really just scan it and don't really put much weight in it. Recommendations, however, is another whole whole ball game. Who better than to, testi- to testify to your abilities than colleagues and peers or employers from the past? So what I suggest is instead of just saying to somebody, would you mind recommending me? And then they're like, oh, what do you want me to talk about? 
if you go to somebody and say, I'm really promoting five skills on Facebook, could you speak to one of these? And then you've given somebody a focus, plus you're getting somebody to reinforce that skill that you have talked about on LinkedIn. So you're getting backup and you're getting more bandwidth from a search engine standpoint. So that's yeah. the technical side. Yeah. And so I will say, okay, for your current role, uh, see if you can get three. For your previous role, see if you can get two or three. Do you want to go back 15 years or 10 years or whatever? Probably not, but it doesn't hurt. And reach out to those people who you feel are good writers, and then they'll recommend you. But have them be strategic. Have them speak to a specific skill versus Sally was great to work with, uh, highly recommend her. Instead of that, what do you want them to say? Say, well, I worked, worked with Sally. We worked on this special project where um, there was a really difficult client to work with, and uh, some of us on the team had a hard time. But Sally was a great bridge between um, us and the difficult client and helped make the communication strategy um, really seamless, and so it ended up as a great project. Is it tacky to, if you want to ask somebody to give you a testimonial, is it tacky to write it yourself? Some people will ask you to. Yeah. Or at least they'll ask you to give them sort of a kickoff point, and then they'll tweak it and make it their own voice. So uh, maybe the best way would be emailing and saying, look, I know you're drinking from a fire hose, but I could use this testimonial. Here's a suggestion. Technically, I ask people first, just off the cuff. They'll write back, say, sure, happy to do that. And I will say, well, here's some information. Maybe you could speak to this skill or that time we did X. And if so, that'd be great. And they'll sometimes write back and say, great, happy to do that. You write it for me, and I'll take it from there. So don't, don't offer to do that right off the bat, because if you can get their, their authentic uh, words from the get-go, that would be best. And we're wrapping up here. We're running out of time. Unbelievable. Um, this has gone so fast. When you're using Facebook, the algorithms change all the time, especially for business page. It. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're, you're seeing things ebb and flow on Facebook. Do you have any um, recommendations of what posts get the engagement of people, whether it's commenting, whether it's sharing? Is there any rule of thumb on that that you can think of? Authenticity. Whenever you share something relative and it goes back to your story, whenever you share something that's real, you get more engagement because people jump on board to talk about it because then they kind of think you've opened the door and they can relate. They can self-identify. Um, some of the other things that really get high ratings and this still astounds me are um, memes that yes. are funny and or inspirational quotes. They get a lot of reach. That always surprises me. I actually do um, some inspirational quotes on my business page, but I keep them relative to business, entrepreneurship, startups, uh, social media, so that there's a little bit of information I also try to keep a good balance between um, men and women being the people who you're, are quoted. Because a lot of people go to the older quotes, which are all from men. Nothing wrong with that, but it's nice to have a balance. Definitely. We've been speaking to the CEO of Standing Out Online, Kate Payne. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, I can't thank you enough, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And the website is? StandingOutOnline.com. And we'll have some special offerings out on the website. If you have any comments or any suggestions, please visit our Facebook page. Uh, we love to hear from you. Standing, standing Out Online, listen to me. <laughs> Our Facebook page. I know what show I I'm you on. In. You did. You, you know. You hypnotized me already. You drank Self <laughs> Selftalkradioshow.com. You can go out and visit the website. We'll have all the details there. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks again. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. This program has been a production of Hall Communications, Burlington, Plattsburgh.